Today's shiur is Nidorem Daf Ayin Ches. Take note that today's shiur begins three lines from the bottom of Daf Ayin Zayin Omid Beis. Before we begin the shiur, we glance at the side at one of our features of the marked Gemaras, the Shas Oizer, which we call the Nosei, the topic heading, where we've written Baal Sheomar Boloshain Chochom Mutarloch. A husband, in attempting to annul his wife's vows, he uses the text of a sage, a Torah scholar, who is also empowered to annul vows, using the expression mutarloch. That's characteristic of the Torah sage in his annulment of vows. However, here we're talking about a husband that uses his, the Chochom's text, and vice versa. Chochom Sheomar Beloshen Baal, Mufarloch. What is the result? Now the Gemara. Three lines from the bottom. Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Chochom Sheomar Beloshen Baal. A sage who is annulling a vow, but he uses the language of a husband. Ubal Sheomar Beloshen Chochom. Or a husband that uses the language of a sage. The husband language is Mufarloch. The sage version is mutar loch. So either way, Rabbi Yochanan says lo omar klum. It's ineffective. It's an ineffective annulment. Desanya. And this is based on the following Tanaic source. Zehadovor. This is a posuk that's quoted in Bamidbar, Perik Lamid, Posuk Beis. When we get to the Lusiondach, uh, at the top, we've added to the side of the Gemara the relevant psukim. In the meantime, the posuk says in Bamidbar, which is the topic that deals with vows, and we learn from this term, Zehadavar Hachocham Matir, the Ein Baal Matir. A Chocham is able to annul using the expression Matir or Hutarloch which a Baal, a husband, is not allowed or not able to do. Shiachol, that, this word Shiachol indicates, I would have thought otherwise, without the Pasuk. What would I have thought? A sage who doesn't have the power of Hafora, which we haven't given a source for that yet, but a sage does not have the power of Hafora. Matir, Baal Shemefer Enodin Shematir, a Baal which has the power of Hafora, certainly he should be able to be Matir. Talmud Lomar, we continue at the top of Ayin Chesomer Aleph, therefore the Torah says, Zehadovor. The Posuk, which is a, a Posuk indicating limitation, it's coming to exclude what I would have thought otherwise. Namely, I would have thought, through the logic we presented, that a Baal who can mefer certainly can be matir. So we've learned from this, Zehadover Chocham Matir, V'ein Baal Matir. Only a Chocham is vested with that power of being matir, using that expression, and not a husband. Tanya Idoch. We have another source, and... The source begins also with a quote from the, uh, using this phrase Zehadavar. And we should draw your attention before we go through the 
entire source, two psukim are going to be referred to. One is the possible we already cited that you can see on the side of our marked Gemaras in the upper corner of the page we've added, by Midbar Lamed Posuk Base, which deals with Nedarim, it says there, Vayidaber Moshe El Roshe Hamatois Livnei Yisrael Lemor, Zeh Hadover Asher Tzivo Hashem, and Posuk Gimel says, Ish Ki Yidor Neder, etc., Lo Yachel Devaro. So you can see that in Posuk Beis, Moshe Rabbeinu is addressing the Rosh Amatas, the heads of the tribes, and he tells them, Zehadavar, this is the matter that Hashem has commanded. And Posuk Gimel shows that you're dealing with the topic of vows. There's another Posuk in Vayikra, Perak Yudzayim Posuk Beis, which deals with the topic of Shchute Chutz. Shute Chutz is a reference to the prohibition of sacrificing and offering sacrifices outside the Beis Hamikdash, or in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, outside of the Mishkan. So the Posuk says in Vayikra, Perak Yud Zayin Posuk Beis, Daber El Aroin, Ve'el Notice that we're reading from the side of the Gemara where we've included the pot that we've written in the Psukim. It says, Daber El Aroin, Ve'el Bonav, Ve'el Kobene Yisrael, Noticing again the expression and Posakimel goes on to describe the topic which deals with the topic of slaughtering sacrifices outside the base Hamikdash. The Psukim go on to say Posak Dalid We've also included on the side Fel Pesach Moid Lo Heviol Akriv Korban Hashem Lifnei Mishkan Hashem VeNichras HaIshahu. The pasuk Dalid tells us that if one does not bring the sacrifice to the Beis Hamikdash, so he is guilty of Kores of the Kores punishment. Now we turn to the source at the top of Ayin Chesum and Aleph. Uh, the uh, end of the line, first line, Tanya Idoch. And here we have a, another Tanaic source. Zehadovar, Baal Mefer Vein Chacham Mefer. In um, similar to the previous source, here we have a limitation expression, and it, from this we learn that a husband has the power of hafora. A Chacham is not Mefer, and up till now we've been assuming that this has to do with the text or the expression that each one uses in annulling vows. So a husband uses the hafora expression, but not a chocham. Sheyachol. Without the posuk, I would have thought, uma baal she'en matir mefir, a husband that doesn't have the power of being matir. He has the power of hafora. Chocham she'matir, a chocham who has the power of being matir, din she'mefer, then all the more so, he should be able to be mefer. Talmud lomar, ze hadavar. Baal mefer, v'ein chocham mefer. So from here we see the teaching that we saw before in the name of Rabbi Yochanan at the bottom of Ayin Zayin Amid Beis, the point at which we began today's shir, that each individual, the Chocham and the Baal, have their own unique expressions of, of vow uh, annulment. There are other technical differences between Hafora and Hatara, but that is not something that we have to pre- pre- preoccupy ourselves with right now. 
The Tanakh source goes on to say, Nemar kan zehadovar, v'nemar lahalon zehadovar b'shkut echutz. We already read the Psukim, so you understand where this is coming from. We have in the topic of Hatoras Nidorim, Zehadovar, Bamidbor Paraglamid Posuk Base, and in Vayikra Yudzayan Posuk Base, which deals with Shkutechutz, the expression Zehadovar. The diamond highlights the Gzereshava, and on the side of the wonder the Nosei Mivne Heading, Gzereshava Zehadovar, Bain Parshas Nidorim, so what do we learn from this word comparison? Ma, we continue with the text. Ma bishkute chutz, Aaron uvonov v'chol Yisrael. Just like in the case of shkute chutz, uh, they were spelled out. They were enumerated. Aaron and his children. Uh, his children is another two sons, uh, Elozer and Isomar. And it also says in the Pesach, Kol Yisrael. So, Af Parshish Nedorim, so too with regard to vows, understand Aaron Uvonov Vechol Yisrael. Now this is very, very obscure. What in the world do, what's the significance of these names in these, in these particular topics? The Gemara will deal with that later. What else? Uma. Kan and ma and what that which you find here by Nidorim, Roshe Hamatos, Aflahalon Roshe Hamatos. So through the Xeroshava, we learn it's a two directional Xeroshava. From Shute Chutz, we take the reference that you found in Vayikra to Aaron, Bon of Yisrael, and you transfer that to Nidorim and Roshe Hamatos, which you find by Nidorim and Bamidbar Lamid. You transfer that to Shkute Chutz. As we go on in the Gemara, we will uh, we will learn the explanation of this very obscure Tanaic source. So we have some highlight markings to enable you to see what is being focused on at each point. On the side of the Gemara, we have uh, Roman numerals one and two that represent two Gishel two. Um, approaches to the matter at hand, which we'll see more clearly in the Gemara. The double underline highlights the expression, uh, or the, we'll say the reference to Roshe Hamatois, and the reference to Zeh Hadovar. Each one of them, the Roshe Hamatois, what is the point of having that Gzeh uh to Nidorim from Shutechutz. And likewise, the issue of Roshi Hamatos. What's the reason for that? So we have a question regarding the purpose of the Gzeira Shava. We have to deal with Aaron Ubonov. And we have to deal with Roshi Hamatos, namely the Gzeira Shava aspect. And we're also going to be focusing on the expression Zehadovar that's written by Nidoram. What is it doing? <coughs> What's its limitation? What's it for? And Zehadovar that you have by Shudechutz. What is its limitation? What is it excluding? We note on the side uh, the 
house marking that we'll see, Hadgoshas Parshas Nedorim Ushchutechutz. This highlights the respective topics that will be seen, uh, topics that were cited. We also note on the side, Halochas Shinilmadu Migzera Shavazu. Here we're informing you ahead of time what halochas are learned through the Gezerah Shava. Well, one halacha is Lahachshir Shloisha Hedyoitois Lahatoras Nadorim. Through the Gezerah Shava of Aaron Uvonov, we know that three people were referred to in the Posuk, and they appeared in the case of Shkutechutz. And we, through the Gezerah Shava, we apply that to Hatoras Nadorim. Namely, three, three are enough. Three is the number if you're using commoners for the annulment of vows. The term Kol Yisrael in the Posuk by Shutechutz, we also uh, benefit from that because that indicates that they don't have to be experts. Another halacha that's learned through the Gzereshava, if you recall, we learned from Nidorim to the topic of sacrifices. We learned a Gezer Shava from Nidorim to sacrifices. What do we learn from that? What what the what is revealed by that Gezer Shava? So we will learn that Shiesha'ilabukim. That means if one uh, dedicates or one sanctifies something as a sacrifice, he can reverse his sanctification through She'elah, just like we've seen so many times in recent, in our recent Shi'urim, She'elah L'chacham, the approaching of a sage for the annulment of a vow. Likewise, the, a, a sanctification of an animal is a type of vow, and that sanctification also lends itself or is subject to annulment, if so desired. And we learn that from this Gzereshava, from the fact that the topic of Nidorim, which has annulment, is here to shed light on the topic of sacrifices in order to tell me that by sacrifices also you have annulment, the idea of reversal of the sanctification that we just described. So now let's go through the Gemara very systematically, point by point. No, we continue now. But Parshas Nidorim The last point of the Tanaic source was, uh, I should say, that, um, not the last point, but the the second to last point, if you will, we said, just like by Shchute Chutz, you have Aaron, Uvonov, V'chol Yisrael, so too by Nidorim, you have Aaron, Uvonov, V'chol Yisrael. So here the Gemara is asking, what's the value? What do we learn from that Gezer Shava? So that's, Beparshas Nidorim, Lamai Hilchasa. Hilchasa, reference to the oral tradition, to the Gezer Shava word comparison method of exegesis. So what is the value in saying that by Parshas Nadorim we are also to understand Aaron Uvonov V'chol Yisrael. Omar of Acho Bar Yankiv, Lahachshir Just like by Parshas Chutechutz, you see the reference to three individuals, Aaron and his two sons, so too by Nadorim, 
three commoners are capable, are licensed to absolve a vow. The Gemara asks, how can you say hediotos when the posuk in the context of the Dorim itself says Roshay Matas, the heads of the tribes, which would imply experts. Omar Rav The concept of expertise is uh, manifest when you're dealing with a single individual. If a single individual is going to be uh, employed for the annulment of a vow, so he would have to be a mumcha, an expert, as is alluded to or uh, as is in, in, uh, inferred by the term Roshe Hamatas, the heads of the tribes. They, they were scholars, they were experts. So just to review, the Gizei from Shchute Chutz, Aaron of V'chol Yisrael, enables me to conclude that three commoners are able to annul a vow. If you want to focus on the parsha of the Dharma itself, where it says Roshi Hamatos, that informs us that a single individual can rescind a vow, provided he is an expert. We continue Roshi Hamatos Bishchute Chutz The the reference to Roshi Hamatos, which is found by Nedorim, but through the Gzereshava, was transferred to Shute Chutz for what purpose was that? What do we learn from that Gezer Shava from the Dorim? Omar of Sheshes Lomar Shiesh She'ela Behektish It informs me that a vow that, that something sanctified can be rescinded can be uh, reversed The Gemara asks Lebe Shamai Diomar Ein She'ela Behektish Beishamai doesn't uh, hold from this concept that hektish can be reversed. So Beishamai doesn't hold from that concept. Roshe hamatois dixiv beishchutechutz lemai hilchasa. According to Beishamai, what's the purpose of transferring nidorim information to shchutechutz? The the term Roshe hamatois is a a reference to something that's Nidorim related to Shutechutz. What's the point? If you if you Beishamai don't hold from the concept of She'elah Behektish, the reversal of Hektish like 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 the annulment of a vow. So then what's the purpose of learning Shutechutz to or I should say what's the purpose of learning from Nidorim to Shutechutz? The Gemara answers very simply, base Shammai less lahu gizero shava. They don't have, they don't have as their Torah tradition, as their oral law tradition, this gizero shava. And with that having been said, so Rosh Hamatos does not appear in the context of Shkutechutz. Namely, the, the idea or the concepts of Nidorim don't apply to Shkutechutz. The Gemara continues, here we're focusing not on uh, the oral tradition so much as what is the point of Zehadovar? Zehadovar is a limiting expression. What does it teach me when it comes to uh, Nidorim? This, what's the limitation? 
Answer, Loimar, it tells me, Chocham Matir ve'en Baal Matir, Baal Mefer ve'en Chocham Mefer. Now, the truth is, is that this, these last two, three lines is the whole reason this discussion has been cited. We continue, Zehadavar b'shutei chutz l'may ksiv. Again, the emphasis is on not the oral tradition, but rather the scriptural limitation. What does the Torah want to exclude when it says Zehadavar, which is, we said, a limitation expression in the context of shutei chutz. Answer, Lomar, the, the, the revelation is that al hashchita chayav v'en chayav al hamalika. The prohibition of sacrificing things outside the Beis Hamikdash will apply to the slaughtering of uh, animals, as opposed to birds. The slaughtering of animals that done outside of the Beis Hamikdash, slaughtering of sacrificial animals, would be the violation referred to in the pasuk. And what's excluded? Malika. Malika is the method in which bird sacrifices were killed. It's not through shrita, which is uh, severing the uh, the neck organs using a knife, but rather malika, which is a, a to- which is a different process of killing the bird. We don't have to get into details, but if one were to take a sacrificial bird and do malika to it outside the base of English, he would not be guilty of this offense of shrute chutz. The Gemara continues with a question posed to Beis Shammai. Now, we mentioned in passing that Beis Shammai does not have a Gezer Shava. One of the, we'll say, benefits of the Gezer Shava that we saw earlier was the Limud from Shrute Chutz to Nedarim of Aaron Uvana V'choyisrael, from which we learned the three Hediotos. Elo Beis Shammai who doesn't hold from the Gzeir Shava, Lahachshir Gimel Hediotos Menolan, where does he learn that three commoners are licensed to annul vows? The, the, the number was hinted to before by Aaron Uvanov, uh, and Aaron Uvanov was written by Shute Chutz. We were able, before Beishamai, to use the Gzeir Shava to transfer that to Nadara, but Beishami doesn't have that mechanism. So what is the source of three hediotas for Beishami? Answer. And here we have another we have a long answer, and we're gonna uh, it takes a while to develop, but we'll see along the way where Beishami is going to learn Gimel Hediotas for Hatoras Nadara. The Gemara answers Nafkalahu Midurav Asi Barnoson. He learns it from Avrav Asi Barnoson's teaching. He will appear on the... We've da- we uh, dashed, underlined his name on the first of the wide lines of the Gemara. So we'll get back to his name later. So we learn from Rav Asi, Dichtiv. The Pesach says, V'yadaber Moishes Moyadei Hashem El Bnei Yisrael. V'hotanya. And we have a Brisa, Rabbi Yossi Haglili Omer. And here we're going to have something extre- extremely obscure... But once again, we'll wait for the Gemara to elucidate. Rabbi Yosiglini Omer, Mo'yadei Nemru, Veloi Nemra, Shabbos Bracious Imohem. Shabbos Bracious is a reference to the 
weekly occurrence of Shabbos. It's called Shabbos Bracious, the Mephor should point out, because holidays, Mo'adim, are holidays. Holidays are also referred to by the term Shabbos. So in order to distinguish the weekly occurrence of Shabbos from holidays, the Torah refers to the weekly Shabbos as Shabbos Bracious. Shabbos, which create, which commemorates Bracious as the beginning of the, of the Torah, the creation. Every week we, we will say, we recognize and we commemorate the fact that the Almighty is the creator of the world. Hence the term Shabbos Bracious. So the source is telling us something that I said is obscure. It says that the uh, uh, Torah speaks about the holidays and it doesn't speak about Shabbos together with them. Ben Yoimer, Holidays are spoken about in the Torah, but vows are not spoken about uh, about with the holidays. That's a literal translation of the source, and we're going to find this to be very perplexing. Rav Asi Barnosan had difficulty with this Tanaic source, and we'll, we'll show you later what the difficulty is. Also, Leonardo, the Kamer of Sheshis, Vlashkei, Ravasi visited Nahardo in uh, trying to find Rav Sheshis and didn't find him there. Also, Basri the Muluza, he followed him to Mechuzah. And uh, that's where he met up with Rav Sheshis. Omar Lei, Ravasi Barnosan asks, Moya de Hashem Nemru Velo Nemru Shabbos Breshisi Mohem. This is, of course, a quote from the source we just saw which indicated that in the Torah it speaks about the holidays and it doesn't speak about Shabbos together with them but how can you say that it doesn't speak about Shabbos when you open the Torah and you read the section in the Torah that deals with the holidays it mentions Shabbos together with them Rashi gives you the Pesach background for these things we go, but we continue in the source the Su, another difficulty Ravasi has. The point number two in the source, Misitra means next to it, by its side. means as follows. In the Torah, at the end of Parshas Pinchas, which is uh, toward the end of the, of the book of Bamidbar, in, at the end of Parshas Pinchas, there are many psukim dedicated to the holidays. And right after that, when you finish Pinchas, the next Parsha you, you read, you lead into is Parshas Matos. Parshas Matos is Bamidbar Lamed that we've been citing uh, quite often, which deals with the uh, which, which which deals with vows. So how can Benazai in this source say that the holidays are spoken about, but the uh, issue of vows is not presented along with them. That's quite untrue. Parshas, right after the Parsha of the Holidays and Parshas Pinchas, the Torah goes right into the Parsha of vows. So Rav Sheshes tells him, the source is to be understood, understood thusly. We continue at the top of Omid Beis. Moyadei Hashem Srichin Kiddush Basin, Shabbos Bracious Ain Srichin Kiddush Basin. As far as point one is concerned, the holidays 
are distinguished from Shabbos insofar as the holidays require court sanctification. What we mean by that is, we'll use a very simple example. The holiday of Pesach comes out in the middle of Nisan. How do you know when the 15th of Nisan is to arrive? We'll say very simply, you count from the 1st of Nisan two weeks and there you go. You're at 15th of Nisan. But how do you know when the beginning of Nisan takes place? So that's what we're telling you here. That's Kiddush Basin. Based in uh, based on the testimony of witnesses concerning the sighting of the new lunar uh, phase, upon their witness testimony, Basin declares it to be a new month. So holidays are dependent on Kiddush Basin. But Shabbos Bracious means and the weekly appearance of Shabbos doesn't need any formal uh, sanctification on the part of the court. Every week uh, when Shabbos comes, you observe Shabbos without any court sanctification. The Rosh uh, explains on the, uh, the very end of the narrow lines of the Rosh commentary, he says, Ein Basin doesn't have to sanctify Sunday uh, as, a, as, the, as the beginning of the week in order for you to then count seven days forward to get to Shabbos. The Torah has an extra expression and that's what we've been alluding to all the way, all the time when we say Moadei Hashem is an extra expression that uh, differentiates between the holidays that do require Kiddush Beisden and the appearance of Moadei Hashem, uh, extra time in the Torah, says only Moadei Hashem requires Kiddush Beisden and not Shabbos Bracious, not week, the weekly Shabbos. The second point, we continue in the Gemara, Moadei Hashem Tzrichin Mumche, V'ein Parshis Nedarim Tzrichin Mumche. Afilu Beisden Hediotos. Notice we've dashed, underlined this, because this is the reason we've brought, we brought this whole long answer in. Don't forget, we asked according to Beishamay, how does he know that three Hediotos are acceptable? So the answer to that is, from the fact that the expression Moyade Hashem, which is a, uh, we'll say, an exclusionary point, as we already explained, that only Moyade Hashem, they require based in which represents experts, but not Parshish Nadorim. They, Parshish Nadorim means the annulment of vows, does not require experts. What is sufficient? Have three commoners is sufficient. That's based in hediotos. The Gemara asks, well, the same question as we asked before, when before we got to Beishamai, the same question is asked on Beishamai. But in Parshas Nedorim, when you're doing with vowels, in Bamidbor Perek Lamed, it says Roshe Hamatos, the heads of the tribes, and they were experts. Om Rav some versions have Rabbi Yochanan answering the concept of having expertise by vow annulment that's true if you're using a singular individual for the annulment a, a chocham you need to have a 
an expert. But if you're going to use three people, they don't have to be experts. Three commoners are sufficient. As you can see, we have a slash mark indicating that that which follows is a new uh, trend of thought. We also have a rare marking, the firebox marking, which highlights uh, either a name or a sheet in this case, a, a name that uh, his halacha is going to preoccupy the Gemara for quite a long time. Before we get into the text, we glance at the side, we have a no say, a topic heading. A husband hears his wife's vow, remains silent with the intention not of substantiating her vow, but rather the makat. Makat literally means to infuriate, but it means he wants her to feel the pain of her vow before he, uh, before he let's say, expresses his his objection to the vow, he wants her to feel the pain of the vow. So, it's silence, but it's not a silence of approval. Quite the contrary. The husband can be mefer even ten days later. The idea that we've seen often in this parak that based on the Torah, that a husband has only till the end of the day to annul vows that is true if he hears the vow and remains silent and his silence is not one of objection so then Rabbi Hanina will tell you if he's being silent and he's not saying anything well by sundown he can't now annul it This everything we've said in the last couple of minutes is within the opinion of Rabbi Hanina the Gemara is going to is going to challenge Rabbi Hanina. By the end of this sugi, you're going to see that his halacha is not accepted. And uh, you'll notice triangles that appear, and they are explained under the Mivne heading. You see, uh, we've written on the side, Kushos al Rabbi Hanina. These are challenges. And if you uh, do what we often recommend doing, the bird's eye view of the sugya, you'll notice there are five challenges till the end of the parak to the uh, lower part of Ayin Tesom and Aleph. Now the Gemara. Omer Rabbi Hanina. Hashoisek amenas lemekat. A husband who remains silent, not in order to be mekayim, to substantiate her vow, but he does so in order to chastise her so that she shouldn't be a regular in vowing. Let her feel the pain of her vow beforehand. So a husband who remains silent in order then he can annul the vow even ten days later. Mosiv Rava. Rava raises a challenge from the following source. Again, these are topics that we've seen in the past. When was it said that with the death of the husband and Orus uh, you have an Oros is a husband at the first stage of marriage who is able to annul his uh, wife's vows in conjunction or in partnership with her father. So amongst the rules, we, were, we, we, we learned that if the husband dies, so his, his uh, powers of annulment are transferred to her father. That's Nisroitna Rishuslav. When do we say that? Bizman Shiloh Shoma Habal. That's when the husband didn't hear the vow. 
we heard the vow and remained silent. Or he heard the vow, he annulled, and he died that very day. So in any one of those cases, then the whatever powers of annulment that the husband had are transferred to the father of the girl. However, if the husband heard and he substantiated the wife's vow, or he heard it, remained silent, and then died the next day. The vow cannot be annulled. The father can't annul the vow. Once a husband substantiates the wife's vow, so the father, though they work in partnership, the father can no longer annul it. Now the last point, well, you can see we've dashed underlined key words which describe the husband having heard it and remained silent. That's the, the key word is Vishasak, he remained silent and died the next day. My love, the Gemara goes on. Vishosek Amanasamekat. It says, it says it, it, the source says husband heard it and remained silent. It doesn't qualify the silence. It means even the silence of of wrath, of opposition, if you will, it doesn't make a difference. He cannot mayfer the next day. No, that's not the correct understanding. Rather, The source described a husband who remained silent out of approval. He was quiet, he was happy, he was approval, in approval of his wife's vow. Well, if that's how you're going to explain the word v'shosak, then Hainu Oi Shomavakim. But the very same source said Shomavakim. Why the redundancy? So you can't you can't tell me that Shosik means it was a silence with the intention of substantiation. The Gemara answers, you're right on that point. Elo Bishosik Stam. He remained silent without any specific decision in mind. So that's that situation is such that if he remains silent out of indifference, uh, by the next day he can't be made for anymore. However, silence with the intention of lamekat to infuriate, that is different. He is able to be made for even ten days later, as Rabbi Hanino said. Okay, so uh, triangle one Rava's attempted question on him uh, was ultimately uh, rebuffed, was ultimately um, answered. Mosif Rafista, Rafista, number two, he uh, raises an objection to Rabbi Hanino's teaching from the following source. There are uh, stringencies and uniquenesses that apply to Hakoma, substantiation of vows that you don't find by uh, annulment. And likewise, uh, uniqueness and, and stringency that you find by Hafara, that you don't find by Hakoma, by, by substantiation. And we now go over these points. The stringency that you find by substantiation of vows. We continue at the top of Ayin Tes Amin Aleph. Silence is capable of establishing the vow. Silence on the part of the husband 
is capable of establishing the wife's vow. In other words, a, a woman who had, had vowed and the hi- husband remains silent. Through that, the vow is established. The ancient dikmavatos, however, silence cannot result in the vow being undone, being annulled. Kiem belibo, kiem hafer belibo, eno mufer. If a person, if a husband substantiates the uh, wife's vow in his heart, that is effective. Annulment in his heart, that's not effective. Kiem ein yochel once there is a formal substantiation, it cannot be annulled. And if it's annulled, it can't be substantiated. There are a number of details in this source, but we want to focus on just one point. Kotoni, it said in this source, Shashtika Mikayemis. Silence substantiates vows, and that would imply it can no longer be undone, it can no longer be annulled. My love. The source was unqualified, just said silence, all silence, even silence to infuriate. Nevertheless, he loses his, his, his chance of being Mayfair. That's Mikayemis, it, is, it substantiates. So silence, substantiates vows. That is contrary to Rabbi Chalina. No. There's more answers, that's not the right understanding. The Shtika Mikayemis referred to in this source is. It's a silence with the intention of substantiating. The more as well, then we have a problem of redundancy again. Kiem belibo, kiem. It says if he, uh, if he, if he substantiates her vow in his heart, it's substantiated. It becomes a, a solidified vow. So how can you say that sh- that shtika is shtika of approval? So my answer is you're right. Ella, b'shoisek stam. He's uh, silent with indifference, but if he were silent, almanas lemekat, he would still yes be able to annul the vow as Rabbi Chanina taught. You can see we have a bracketed section, and the note that we have on the side, if you skip the brackets momentarily, you'll see the continued series of questions raised against Rabbi Hanina. So within the brackets, though, the Gemara deals with uh, a, a detail that we alluded to before, we mentioned before in the source. So that having been said, let's read through the bracketed section. We demonstrated the uh, severity, the strength that you find by Hakoma, that you don't find by Hafara, namely, uh, silence, we said, is, uh, substantiates, but silence cannot annul. So there's a strength of silence is manifest in the case of substantiation, not in annulment. Now, the same source said that there was, there was a Chumrah by Hafora over Hakoma. So, where do you see a stringency by Hafora that you don't find by Hakoma? Omar Ri. Omar Biochran. Nishalin Allahafer. If a husband substantiates his wife's vow, it can be reversed through approaching a chocham and, and being shoyal on the hakoma. Shoyal means the seeking of annulment of his akoma. 
However, when a husband annuls the wife's vow, that annulment is not reversed, cannot be reversed. Mosiv Rav Kahana. We're going to present a Tanaic source, and let's note ahead of time an interesting phenomenon in this Gemara. After the Tanaic source, you can see we've highlighted using a crown shape the term Tyufta. Tyufta means a rejection. On the side, under the Mivne heading, you can see we've uh, noted this crown shape, and we've, we've written Havlotas Tyufta. We've highlighted Tyufta Heora. I want to point something out that Kushios 3 through 5, the questions, the objections that are uh, numbered 3, 4, and 5, Nisharos Ketyufta Lerabichni, they remain as uh, challenges, as refutations to Rabbi Hanina. So even though in attempts number one and two to ask on him, he was able to rebuff the attack, not so when it comes to three, four, and five. The Gemara, Mosiv Rav Kahana, V'im hacharesh yacharish lo isha v'chulei, the Pesach uh, is, appear, appears in the context of a husband who hears his wife's vow and remains silent, this is describing a husband who remains silent in order to infuriate the wife. And it says, in this posuk, it says, that her vows through his silence, her vows are substantiated. You're saying that this expression is a reference to silence for makeout purposes. Who says? Maybe it's silence with in, with substantiation intention. Well, that's not so. Kishu Omer ki echrish law. A citation of another posuk ki echrish law. That posuk deals with silence with substantiation intention. So what am I going to do with these? The, the reference here to silence? Silence with the intent of infuriating her is what the Pesach is talking about. And even then, her vow is substantiated through his silence. Well, that would be then a refutation of Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina said that is not a substantiation of the vow. If it were, how could he say that ten days later he could he could annul it? Once a vow is substantiated, it can't be annulled through a husband. The Gemara asks, Why don't we rebuff this question the way we've done so in uh, approaches one and two before by saying the the double reference to silence can be accounted for a silence of substantiation intention and a sub and a, and a silence of indifference. But Almanas the he could still he could still yes annul it. In other words that does not constitute a hakoma. Why didn't we Say this in re, in rebuffing the que, the question. 
The Gemara answers, Kroi Yaseri Ksivi. And we look in the Ran, uh, on the, toward the end of the narrow line, second to last narrow, or third to last narrow line, Ran says, Kroi Yaseri Ksivi, Tlosa Kroi Ksivi. There are three references. Hachresh Yachresh Tre, Ki Hachresh Lo Hatlosa. Three references to silence. How do you account for all the different kinds of silence? The only way to do so is to include silence even lamekat, even with that intention. And still, the Torah says the vow of the wife is substantiated. He didn't uh, annul it. Mosiv Rav, we continue in the Gemara with the fourth uh, question. The student of Talmud probably is asking himself, once you've uh, refuted a particular opinion, why do you have to continue with more refutations? So the, the Ran is sensitive to this question. And you see the Ran on the first wide line. He says on the third, the, he says, even though Rabbi Chalina was already rejected once, we ask more questions on him. And the practical uh, say outcome of the additional refutations is the Mashkina Piruka by even if you find a response, a defense for the earlier question, we will still be left with these rejections. So, let's continue. Mosiv Rava, Nodra Im Chashecha, Mefilo Ashelo Chashcha. A woman who vowed before nightfall, the husband can annul it, provided he does so before nightfall. Shimlo Hofer, Chashcha, Ein if he doesn't annul the vow and nightfall sets in, he can no longer annul. Gemara asks, why do you say that if he doesn't annul? It's, if he doesn't annul, so obviously he's silent. Am, am I, why do we say that he, uh, that, uh, if we accept Rabbi Hanino is true, why does this source say that if he doesn't annul, before sundown he can no longer annul? Why not simply view him as someone who was silent, who didn't know, because of displeasure, because he wanted to infuriate her. But yet that's not an option. The source says, if he doesn't formally annul before sundown, that's it. Indicating that even if he is silent out of lemekat reasons to infuriate her, that doesn't help. And he loses his ability to be Mayfair. Tufta, that's a re- refutation of Rabbi Khalino. Mosiv Ravashi. Ravashi cites the following source. A man says, I know that there's a concept of vows, but I don't know that there's a concept of a husband being able to annul the vow. Yofair. If that took place, and we tell him, you know, you could be Mayfair, so he is able, he's allowed to be Mayfair. Yodea ani shiesh mefirin, aval eni yodea shezeneder. If a man says, I know that there's a concept of vows being annulled by husbands, I just didn't realize that this, uh, uh, whatever she said, constitutes a vow. 
That's Rashi says, I didn't realize that this is a netter of significance that needs to be annulled. If that's what a person says, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, you lost your chance to be Mayfair. The Chomas say he's allowed to be Mayfair. But focusing on Rabbi Meir, now notice we dashed underlying the expression lo yofer. If Rabbi Chaim is correct, why not view this guy who obviously, well, he, he did not, he wasn't Mefer, but why don't we view him as someone who remained silent for Lamekat purposes? This guy is not interested, he's He's not interested in the vow. He just didn't realize that it's, it has su- sufficient significance to warrant annulment. He's not happy with the vow. He just didn't bother annulling it. So if Rabbi Feinah is correct, why would Rabbi Meir say, Lo Yofer? We could look together at the Ran, four lines from the end of the Ran commentary in this parak. He says, Vim Isa, the Mefer. If that were so, like Rabbi Chanina says, that silence with the Mekat intention is still subject to annulment, why does Rabbi say he can't annul? He is silence here wasn't because he liked the vow, he just didn't realize that he, uh, he's able to annul it. The Ran points out the ad kan lo pligi rabbonon aleid Rabbi Meir lemishum disvir luhu de lo havia shmia. Up till this point, the rabbonon disagree with Rabbi Meir uh, on a technical point that a, a fellow like this who says, "I know that there's the mefirin," I didn't realize that this needs hafara. Is that considered having heard the vow? Avoli havia shmia, but if you have a situation that is definitely considered shmia definitely considered having heard the vow, which is a prerequisite, of course, for the husband to be mefer. So, modu de lo yofer, the Rabbonin would have agreed with Rabbi Meir that you can no longer be mefer. Elavadai, mashma, t'shoisek amnas lemekat, lo motzi mefer. So, therefore, we would conclude, according to all opinions, that a person who remains silent even though his intention was to infuriate her, he still cannot be made for Hilkoch Naktina. Therefore, we hold. The Shoisek Amanas Lamekat Kistam. One who's silent with Mekat intention is like the person who remains silent with, out of indifference. The low Mosi Mefer, He cannot be made for unless it's within the same day that he heard it. The Shoisek Amanas Lakayim. La alter shuv eno yochalahafilubobayom. One who is silent with the intention of substantiating the vow, then it's substantiated immediately, and he cannot be mefer even within the same day. So what the what the Ran uh, lays out for us are all three categories of shtika: shtika manas lemekat, shtika manas lekayim, and in the middle the shtika of stam of indifference. So we go back to the Gemara text, in, and as we saw, Rabbi Meir said, uh, a man who says, I know there's such a thing as Hafara, I just didn't realize that this needed Hafara. Rabbi Meir says he can't be made for anymore, and we asked if Rabbi Hanino is correct, so why can't we just view him as Shoisek Amanas Lamekat? 
And you see that we don't. We said, Lo Yafer, Tiyufta. This is a refutation of Rabbi Hanina, who said he could still be Mefer. So that we've concluded the 10th parak of Nidorim. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.